This is episode 183 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share that my Bump to Birth Method 2.0 online program is now open for enrollment. If you're pregnant and want to have a more comfortable pregnancy, including finding ways to address common pelvic floor symptoms like leaking pee or pelvic pain, if you want to prepare mentally and physically, including your pelvic floor for birth and ways to minimize tearing, and if you want to prepare ahead for a smoother postpartum recovery, you'll want to join my Bumped Birth Method online program. It's three programs in one, covering pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery and you get lifetime access to the program content. When you enroll in Bump to Birth, you also get access to me and meet other pregnant people in the private members-only Facebook group for six months during your pregnancy and early postpartum recovery. I also do live weekly group accountability Q&A sessions where you can ask questions as you go through the program. It's important to me that you're supported not just physically, but mentally and emotionally through your pregnancy and postpartum recovery. A bonus gift to you for enrolling now before Friday, June 25th, 8 p.m. EST, is that you'll receive a bonus guide with 10 energizing recipes for pregnancy and postpartum created by a holistic nutritionist. So if you're ready to have a more comfortable pregnancy, be prepared for birth, and a smoother postpartum recovery, head to the show notes for course link or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to learn more. So welcome back to another episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And today I'm excited to chat with Nicole Goss, who recently gave birth to her second little one, Brooklyn. And so Nicole is an athlete, a physical therapist assistant, a personal trainer. And we met this past year when she went through my Bump to Birth online program with her second pregnancy. So Nicole has been open on Instagram about her experience navigating pelvic organ prolapse after her first birth and in her second pregnancy. And so I'm grateful to have her on to share about her pregnancy and birth experiences because you're always having people ask, you know, can you share more birth stories, how people are preparing? And then also I think navigating with pelvic um, organ prolapse, but pelvic floor symptoms in general, people, you know, want to hear they're not alone with experiencing that throughout pregnancy or deciding about another pregnancy. So yeah, I really appreciate you being on, Nicole. Thanks, Anita, for having me. Yeah. So can you share just a bit more about yourself as well for those who may not know you on Instagram? 
Sure. Um, so I am, like you said, I graduated back in 2008 as a physical therapist assistant, and I worked in an outpatient sports med clinic for two years. And um, my husband, he's active duty military, and we got stationed uh, in Italy, and I couldn't do physical therapy anymore with the SOFA agreement. So um, I became a personal trainer, and I've been doing that since 2012. Um, and Within the past four or five years, I transitioned into pelvic health for, for physical therapy um, and took Brianna Battles, her pregnancy postpartum athleticism coach cert, Haley Shevener, her pop-up pro cert, and just several different courses. Anthony Lowe, I took his master class. Just really have kind of felt found my calling in helping women. Uh, in their pregnancy and postpartum journeys, now having two kids of my own and navigating pelvic organ prolapse myself. Um, that's really become my passion. I feel like it's a much more rewarding avenue versus typical personal training. I mean, I still train anybody and everybody with, you know, their, their different goals, but I just feel like that's the most rewarding. So that's kind of my background. <laughs> ah, no, that's fantastic. And I think it's great to hear too, that you know, having more personal trainers and coaches like yourself who do have that background in pelvic floor health, I think is so needed. And it'll be great to see the day when that is just standard across the board. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's great. And, you know, I love the information that you share. I know Instagram is kind of the main social media platform that you use. And I just think it really resonates with people understanding, yes, I can still strength train. Yes, I can still lift weights. Yes, I can still do all these very physical demanding activities and still navigate if I'm having pelvic floor symptoms. Yes. Mm -hmm. So why don't we go back a little bit and let's start with, um, how did you feel in your pregnancy with your son Barrett, like physically, mentally, emotionally? So I had, I had already completed Brianna battles for pregnancy and postpartum cert, um, before I had gotten pregnant. My, my goal, I had, you know, stumbled upon her course before we even decide, decided, you know, to have babies and, um, so I had finished that and then got pregnant. So I had an idea of like how I wanted my fitness to look. However, I will say when you get into it, especially when you're a first time mom, you're an athlete, um, being a personal trainer. And, and I did, I put a lot of my identity into fitness, you know, my performance, um, athlete brain, which what Brianna, you know, she's kind of come up with that term and it's basically your ego, um, that kind of has took over even in, in moments where I knew, even though I was lifting, lifting less weight than I had prior to pregnancy, was it still, you know, was it appropriate? I mean, I didn't have pelvic floor symptoms. I felt really great during that pregnancy. I didn't have any kind of food aversions or morning sickness or anything. I mean, I felt wonderful. And so I think that also played into me having this constant battle of trying to maintain my identity, but also wanting to take core and public health into consideration. And, you know, I took out all the sit-ups and toes to bar and, you know, handstand work. And when my belly got bigger, I took out Olympic lifts, but I flirted with towing that line with loads that still probably weren't the smartest. And looking back on that, I see that now. Um, and so I guess that also really helped me for the second pregnancy to dial it in and say, I can get back to where I want to be. It 
you know, it will take longer in postpartum, but I can get back there. So right now, this temporary chapter, I really need to focus on, you know, preserving and protecting my core and pelvic floor for very, you know, long-term health. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And it's, you know, great to hear too, kind of how you were trying to navigate that because it's that idea. I know Brianna talks about it as well, is that kind of risk versus reward. And the thing when it comes down to it is, and for anyone listening to, there is no guarantee that with Nicole taking certain things out or um, using different strategies necessarily equals no pelvic floor symptoms. So we do talk about that, that it's just kind of like, you know, understand that the athlete brain making those informed decisions and seeing what feels best for you in terms of trying to navigate, yeah, kind of the the risk versus reward with decisions with anything during pregnancy, but, but right. with exercise in this circumstance. Yeah. And, you know, and too, and, and that's the thing about pregnancy and postpartum fitness is it, it's not black and white to where we can say, just like you said, we can't say, okay, if you take out sit-ups and crunches or, you know, max list that you're going to be completely, you know, saved from any kind of pelvic floor or core issues or vice versa, you know, being super, super vigilant and very careful and, you know, really, really scaling back. That isn't going to guarantee that you, you don't have some kind of core and pelvic floor considerations. It's, it's again, it's just really kind of weighing out, you know, is what we know about what happens to the core and pelvic floor during pregnancy what is going to set me up for the best possible outcome that I can control. And then everything else that's outside of my control, the positive is, is that there's pelvic floor PT, there's courses like the pop-up pro course, um, you know, there's diastasis programs, there's all sorts of really good resources and educators and, and programs. And like I said, p- pelvic floor PTs to help you get you know, back to doing everything you want to do and get your body functioning, you know, really, really well again. Um, So that's the beauty of that. It's not a doom and gloom if those things happen, even if you did everything right. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of one of those things where you have to just kind of, you know, look towards your long-term fitness goal. What can I control? And then, you know, two for me in hindsight, you know, having someone keep you accountable too is I think helpful, even if you are a coach who's gone through the, you know, pregnancy postpartum course, or you're a pelvic floor PT or, you know, pop-up pro or whatever, man, that athlete brain is so real and to have somebody help you kind of rein it in and be able to showcase, like, I know you, you are scaling back, but have you considered this? Maybe you need to scale back a little bit more to just kind of keep you accountable because it is, it was such a a mental battle. The first pregnancy for me, it was very, very hard. The physical changes with my body, accepting it and just, you know, really trying to hold tight onto my identity. And so that's something that I would, would highlight for any, anyone is to just have a coach or an accountability partner who can just say, Hey, like, just want to make sure you're doing okay. And, you know, are you appropriately scaling? Maybe, you know, just kind of keeping you in check. Uh, No, I think that's great. It's accountability is, I think, not thought about or valued enough. And it's so, so helpful. And I was gonna, we will talk about postpartum a little bit later in the podcast. but, But while we're talking about pregnancy, do you feel like even making those adjustments 
also helped you postpartum kind of be able to take things at a different pace instead of jumping back into them. And it might have been different between the two pregnancies as well. Sure, absolutely. So I mean, for me, so for my first pregnancy, like I said, I felt great. I had no symptoms at all during pregnancy. I didn't have prolapse during pregnancy. Things were great, right? And then postpartum at like two weeks postpartum, that's when I realized, you know, also being in the pelvic health area for physical therapy, I had no, I knew at two weeks postpartum, I had prolapse, especially with just how my labor and delivery went. Even treating patients in the clinic and working with clients who had pelvic organ prolapse, nothing can prepare you for it when you deal with it yourself. So that was a huge, huge, you know, mental barrier that I had to overcome um, and really, really work through as well as the physical, you know, symptoms and stuff. So my postpartum recovery, the first time with Barrett was, you know, I was forced to scale back and, and really, really pay attention to what I was doing with my rehab moving forward. But I would say, you know, having that knowledge beforehand, really helps me understand that, okay, it's pregnancy fitness should be this gradual progressive deload of where in that first trimester, you know, there are going to be a few things that are going to change, but you're still, you know, for the most part doing fitness as, as you were prior to pregnancy, like I said, with a few, few different changes, you know, with core and public health considerations, and then each trimester, you're gradually decreasing load intensity you know, duration, reps, sets, whatever, you're, you were changing all sorts of different variables, right? And then you get into that third trimester, and it's deloading even further. And then postpartum comes, and you're kind of at this zero again, right? So you're at the baseline, building back from zero, and then it's this gradual progressive overload that you're going through. So it's kind of like this, this downhill, then you hit the bottom and then you're gradually slowly going uphill. And that is the way that I really, I feel like I'm very happy with how I navigated my, this second pregnancy. I feel very confident, you know, that I did the things that I needed to do that were appropriate for my body during pregnancy, um, that I didn't struggle with the, the physical changes mentally. Like I did the first pregnancy, I really understood what this chapter meant And I understood, you know, how my postpartum is going to go and that, yes, I can get back to where I want to want to be eventually. Um, And so that really helped me. And then now um, I'm kind of sharing with what my postpartum, you know, rehab has been like the past, I'm five weeks postpartum today, what that's looking like. And it's, again, it's this gradual progressive overload. So I'm very, I'm very confident and happy with what I've done this second pregnancy and I feel great. So that's, a plus. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's great. And great to kind of see, um, to toggle back and forth between the two pregnancies and even the mindset with that. So why don't we go to Barrett's birth and then we'll talk about yes. Brooklyn's birth after, but even kind of now that we know kind of how you felt in that first pregnancy and then how was it, like, how did you prepare for Barrett's birth? Did you kind of take courses? Did you see a pelvic physio? What did that preparation look like? I had I had done continuing ed, you know, pelvic for my, my physical therapy license. I had done pelvic floor continuing ed courses. And, and like I said, the Brianna battles course and a couple other, you know, different courses and things. And so I had this general idea of like, at that time, there were a few things that was like, don't deliver on your back. Don't purple push. And I was like, okay, so those are things I don't want to do. 
And, you know, I had no idea about after taking your course, you know, about the laboring down to a plus two station, just more options. And even with the statement of like, don't deliver on your back. Well, that's not necessarily the best advice because what if you are like, no, I want to deliver on my back. And with your course, you had given some strategies to make, you know, something like uh, the position, like delivering on your back better um, so that you can still do that. It's not wrong to do that. It doesn't mean that it's bad, but let's hear some different strategies of how we can make um, that position a little bit easier for baby to come out and protect your pelvic floor, you know, a little bit better. Right. And so I, I just basically knew don't deliver on my back and don't purple push. I had taken a, I delivered on base. My husband, like I said, he's active duty military. And so because we're TRICARE prime, I, I had to deliver on base. And so anybody who's listening, who's a military spouse knows that when you go through your like pregnancy journey on base, you there's like 20 plus providers. And so I never, ever saw the same doctor ever in my pregnancy. I saw so many different people. And then when I went into my water broke and I went in for labor and delivery, I had a whole new OB who I've never met. And that initial birth team that I had when I got there, they were awesome. I, I just said, please don't ask me to purple push. You know, like I said, I just have these few little things that I wanted. And they were like, yep, cool. We're on board with you, whatever. By that time, um, it was probably, I had been 12 to 13 hours and shift change came. And so a whole new team came in, a new OB who I didn't know, or excuse me, actually this time it was a midwife who came in. And, um, you know, I had said the same things again, Hey, this is kind of what I'm asking and got a completely different response was told that, you know, there's no way that I can push or no way I can get a baby out without purple pushing. Um, first time moms can't, you know, deliver babies without purple pushing basically. And I was like, mm, okay. And like deep down inside, I knew I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know, this isn't my first baby, but I kind of felt like well, that can't be totally true. I mean, I don't know. So she, she's very manipulative, um, very condescending, kind of like, this is my way or the highway kind of attitude. And it'd come time. I'd, Oh, you're 10 centimeters. Okay. Let's start pushing. And I didn't know better, like that I could labor down. And so I purple pushed like eight to 10 second holds for, and I know this isn't as long as some women have pushed, but an hour and a half, and that's still a lot. And I remember there being a point where I was just like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, you know, it didn't feel right. It felt forced. I don't know. I just was like, I don't want to do this anymore mentally. And so I closed my eyes to like get in the zone because it was kind of like, they kept saying, oh, he's almost here. He's almost here. One more push. And it was like, one more push, one more push, one more push as hard as you can. And uh, I closed my eyes and I, again, I told you, I had asked, don't put me on my back. Well, she physically came over, my eyes were closed and she flipped me on my back without asking me. And at that point I was just like, let's just get this baby out. I don't want to do this anymore. So one big push, he came out and we were both fine, you know, nothing alarming, you know, there were no health issues or anything. And she didn't say congratulations. She aggressively stitched me back up and left. And after that, like got all cleaned up, did our golden hour skin to skin and all that stuff. And they were like, okay, we're going to 
moving into antepartum, um, I took a shower and my husband, it was just my husband and I in the room. And I was like, man, that was really disappointing. <laughs> like that was not at all how I wanted it to go. And I told him, I was like, I think I'm going to have a prolapse. And so the next day, one of the nurses who I had kind of really connected with on the first birth team that had come in, I told her, I confided in her and she's like, how did everything go? Congratulations. And I said, you know, this is what happened. And she said, you know, I'm really sorry. I don't even know what to say. You know, I've not heard of that happening and I don't know why that happened. And so I sat on it for about three weeks and what we can do here as military spouses is we can put in an ice comment, it goes straight to the commander and they can see what, um, you know, if you have a complaint or, you know, something good you want to share, whatever. And so I, I felt, I sat on it for about three weeks and I felt like, you know, if other women are going to have the same experience with this provider, this needs to be shared because that's not okay. What had happened. And so I did, I submitted it. I don't know if anything happened. I don't know if anything came from it, but here's the ironic thing is, so I was teaching pregnancy and postpartum classes uh, on base after that. And I had several women active duty and not active duty who had had that same provider who had had very similar experiences. And I encourage them to, you can write it anonymous. You need to let the commanders know that this person is not treating women with respect during, you know, the most important and most vulnerable time I feel like of your life. So that was my birth experience. <laughs> it was rough. Um, I put a lot of blame into pelvic organ prolapse on that midwife. Like she created my prolapse. It's her fault. And um, looking back in hindsight, I cannot put a pin to this is exactly what happened. There are so many different factors that go into pelvic organ prolapse. You know, I lived a very high pressure life before I was taught by a male powerlifting coach how to breathe and brace. I would leak on high uh, cleans, you know, so I mean, I, I just was not managing pressure well. I always sucked in my stomach, you know, just stemmed from an eating disorder. That's a whole nother story. You know, I just had all these different variables that could have caused my prolapse. And that took me a long time to really work through and come to the conclusion of like, I can't place a blame on a single certain thing. Um, but also I need to move past that and, um, you know, kind of move forward and not reflect on, was it this? did I cause it? Did she cause it? Did whatever. Like, I just, I need to move on. It's not healthy for me mentally, you know, to just kind of stay there. And so I had to process through that birth. I went to counseling to work through, you know, not only the mental toll that the prolapse was taking on me, newborn feeling like I had lost my identity. And then, uh, you know, that birth experience, you know, that really helped. It took me a long time to, to move forward and to kind of come out of, uh, of that place of fear and anxiety and grief, but, um, it was possible. And so, yeah, that was my birth story. Thank <laughs> you so much story. for sharing that, Nicole. It's very long. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that. And I know our listeners do too, because, you know, hearing, how your birth went and even the fact that afterwards I know a lot of people appreciate hearing that you let it you know sink in and kind of really how it felt and that you were able to then voice your concern and it sounds like too with your birth it's not necessarily that 
your preferences didn't necessarily happen, but it's how right. they didn't happen, right? And how there was right. informed consent. So the fact that you were able to speak up about that, I think people appreciate hearing that because I know there are people who do experience that and don't know that they can actually say something. Yeah, I think that's great that you were able to take that in. And then how when you coached after and then you met others who had gone through it and let them know like you can actually say something because it should it should only take one. It should not take right. any to make change. But the more people do speak up, then change is more likely to happen. And even just the recovery, how you talked about pelvic organ pull up, because I do think, you know, with pelvic floor symptoms, I see it all the time with clients. I know it is, is so common that it's like, what was the one thing that caused yeah. this? And I yeah. think with prolapse, it's especially challenging because, um, and I know Haley, like pop-up pro is fantastic for going through again, the evidence around, and I talk about it in bump to birth that there is no one factor that there are so many different factors involved. Even, I mean, genetics plays a role with our connective tissue. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that you're able to work through that and then come to that uh, like consensus yourself, I think is great for people to hear. Um, and then you took that and then navigated into deciding on another pregnancy. Cause I know you yeah. shared that was something you were like, I, I want a second one, but you know, how am I going to navigate this time feeling different? So right. I was wondering if you could share a bit about that in between, because I, I yeah. know you had mentioned, was it about 20 months before you felt you? Yeah. Could? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, that was the biggest. So me and my husband both had, we've always wanted at least two kids, um, maybe three, but for sure two kids. And, um, after I had Barrett, I was like, I can't, like, I, I don't want to have another baby. I'm afraid of like my prolapse worsening. I, I just cannot mentally or physically, I don't want to go through it. I'm absolutely afraid. And, but I felt also, and he was not pressuring me to have another baby, but I knew deep down he really wanted one. And I did too. And so for me, I felt like the weight of the world, our family, like our future was on my shoulders. And that was so hard for me to process. I had not really struggled with, I've like struggled with depression before in my life, but not anxiety. And I would wake up like not being able to breathe, like having full blown panic attack. I just felt like if we don't have more kids, I don't want him to down the road, resent me. I don't want my son to be like, well, why don't I have a brother and sister? You know? And that was just my mental battle that I kept going back and forth. Like all of this is on my shoulders. I really, I like, again, I said, I had to go to counseling and talk it out. I prayed about it. You know, I really like dug into the, into my Bible. I was just like, take away this anxiety and give me peace. And like, you know, I really just gave it to God and, and said, if we're meant to have another baby, please give me this absolute peace about it. And if we're not, you know, then please op like make it very clear as what path to where we're supposed to go. And around 18, that 18 to 20 months, really 20 months is when I was like, I had so much peace about it. Um, I had also finished my pop-up pro course and also I think learning everything I did, that's like a super, it took me <laughs> like a year to finish it because it's so long and, and having a new, you know, a baby, it was hard to do it all at one time, but I had, there's so much knowledge in it that I felt really confident. Like I can do this. Also a lot of women in the pop-up members group who have pelvic organ, organ prolapse, who have had secondary pregnancies or even, you know, third, three or four or whatever, the 
overwhelming majority said my pelvic organ prolapse did not worsen. I feel great. It was, you know, I had to work through maybe a a few different symptom changes or whatever, but for the most part, the feedback was very, very positive. And so that was really encouraging to my colleague who is uh, my pelvic floor PT and uh, Susan Clinton came and we, I did a continuing ed course with her. She came up to Alaska and she even told me, she's like, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Have another baby. (laughs) And so like, I had all these people being like, if this is what you want, you can do it and it'll be fine. And so I I really, like I said, I prayed about it. I had an overwhelming amount of peace about 20 months postpartum. I felt like myself again, I had actually gotten back to lifting over two and a half times my body weight deadlifting and like doing everything I wanted to do. So I felt super confident in my body and like, I can do this. I can manage my prolapse. Well, so then this is total God thing, but I, again, I prayed and it was like, please just help me to have the best pregnancy that I can. And if I do have worsening of symptoms and prolapse, help me to be able to handle that and navigate it well. So come time we started trying and I found out I was pregnant in September of this last year. And, um, I knew I'm not delivering on base again. I'm going to switch my insurance over to TRICARE Select so I can pick who I want to go to. And I, I'm not, I will not go on base again. At that time, I can't switch. Ins- I couldn't switch insurance over until November. So I did at least have to go on base for the first couple of visits. And that's fine. I can do that. I had gotten my labs done and waiting for them to call me back so I could set up my first appointment. And they called me and said, hey, we're doing a system change, their computer system change. And so we can't take on the same amount of patients as we normally do. So we're sending you off base. So I didn't even have to switch insurance. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a blessing. (laughs) And so then I had asked on the J-Bear Spouses pages, like who's a really good OB that you guys have seen? And I got an overwhelming response about this, this doctor named Dr. Bell. And I had several clients who have used him and I've heard great things about him. And so I called and said, Hey, you know, can I get in with this Dr. Bell? And they had like one opening left for me. And, um, it's only him and his midwife. I didn't see anybody else the entire pregnancy from day one. I told them like, this is, this is what happened in my last pregnancy. These are my concerns. These are my fears. These are kind of the things that I am wanting you know, during labor and delivery, as far as preferences, if possible. And they were like, yes, we're here for you. No problem. We do that all the time. We've got you. And so I felt like, wow, this is the place where I really need to be. And they've been super supportive since day one that I met them. Yeah. So that pregnancy, I felt really, really good. Um, and then the, the hospital that I was delivering at also, um, has, is the only hospital in our area that has a NICU too. And at 30, uh, I was 37 weeks and, um, I had not gained weight in four weeks, which was really weird. Um, cause with Barrett, I had a consistent weight gain. And so I, I, I didn't gain any weight and my fundal height had actually decreased a bit. And so they were like, well, we're going to send you for an ultrasound. And so Brooklyn was like in the fourth percentile for weight. And so they were concerned that she might have some, some health issues. And so they were going to induce me a week later and to 
kind of backtrack just a tiny bit, my, we had gotten notice that my husband was deploying in January in four months, and he was supposed to leave before she was born. And that was another whole huge stress, like thrown into the mix. Um, luckily the air force was able to push back his deployment. So he was able to be here for the birth. Um, he is gone now. Um, he had to leave two weeks after she was born, but so that was a huge stress. So they were going to induce me. And so that was another huge stress because I'm like, something's wrong with my baby, but thankfully I'm not going to deliver at a hospital who has a NICU, which is also a blessing because Jaybird on base doesn't have a NICU. So if something happens, at least I'm in the right place. And then, um, she decided two days before her induction date that she was going to come <laughs> on her own. That birth experience was phenomenal. I couldn't ask for a better redemption birth. Contractions started on their own, intensified. Uh, we ended up getting to the hospital like one in the morning. I, again, I worked through contractions. For me, I knew I wanted an epidural just because of the past experience. I didn't want to be in my head and be anxious and fearful. And um, I just wanted to be able to relax my pelvic floor as best as possible. And so um, I had gotten to eight centimeters and they're like, well, if you want it now, get it now. So I did get it. Um, and it was very, it was different from the epidural that I had with Barrett. With Barrett, when I got the epidural, I could feel nothing, literally nothing. This, I could actually feel pressure. I could move my legs a little bit. So I'm not sure what they did differently, but that was good too. So um, I had talked to Dr. Bell and we had said, here's some of the preferences that I want. I would like to, if possible, labor down to a plus two station, meaning letting Brooklyn get down as far as she possibly can before I do any kind of active breathing through contractions or whatever, just let her kind of do her, her thing, let my uterus kind of get her down as far as possible. And then, um, if, if possible, again, you know, can I try to breathe through contractions, do what you've taught in the course, the flower bloom breath, instead of holding my breath and push delivered on my side, a couple other strategies that you had taught, which worked really, really well is bring knees and ankles out. Um, the nurse was able to do that with my, my top leg to open the pelvic outlet a little bit more. Dr. Bell did perineal massage. Um, he also, you know, supported my perineum with a warm compress. Um, he used a lot of mineral oil. I don't know if they do, if that's pretty common or not, but he used that to kind of help her come out as well. And then uh, he just let me do my flower uh, bloom breath through the contractions because I could feel the pressure. And I had been practicing that with bowel movements like almost my entire third trimester. So I really knew what it felt like to have that send that pressure down without bearing down. And um, I felt like I was able to do that really well. And then he had me in between, uh, I only had to do it in between one or two contractions grunt, like actively grunt not holding my breath or anything, but like just grunting to, and that kind of helped push her down a little bit too. Um, and she came out on her own. I just like cried because I was like, thank you so much for just letting, listening to me. I felt heard. I felt respected. I felt, I felt so good. And he, I asked him, how does everything look down there? Like what do my prolapses look like? He's like, they look great. He's like, I didn't know your history. I he's like, I wouldn't suspect anything, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So that's into the second birth. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. I remember when I heard you first share about it and I'm just like, oh, I was like cheering on my side of the screen, listening to it because 
I know how important that was, especially after your first birth, like being heard and like you did so much to prepare. And I wanted to go back to something you said too, that it was your first appointment with your OB and you brought up about birth preferences because that is something I talk to people a lot. I did that in both of mine as well. And some people are like, isn't that kind of early? And I'm like, no. Like if talking about labor and birth and even just asking questions, I always say like, you can start that day one. So then you're having yes. this open dialogue throughout. You'll get an idea of how your care provider approaches things. You can talk about, you can ask them uh, like evidence. You can share what you've learned. It can really be a discussion and a dialogue versus waiting till 37 weeks, have a really quick do you have any questions about labor and then maybe something, but there's no time to ask questions because then baby arrives within right. a few weeks after. So I love that you brought that up and that you had that discussion day one. And then you really felt supported from that first session because yes. you, because of, of his response to it. So that is fantastic. And then I was curious if you can share a bit more, even about like your pregnancy that time in terms of, um, whether exercise, but even preparing, um, sure. I know with bump to birth, like how you prepared that way. And even talking to your, um, your husband, like was, did you have different discussions this time compared to with Barrett's pregnancy? Yeah. So I, um, so going back to the real quick about asking in the first, um, in the first visit, I think that's something, if you had already taken like your course, if somebody had already taken your course and learned, you know, kind of the preferences that they, and, and sought out kind of the preferences that they wanted, that can give you a really good idea in that first uh, visit too, is, is this the right provider for me? Because then you have plenty of time to switch and find somebody else. So that was important for me is, okay, can I, uh, am I going to find, is this the right person that I need to be with, you know, and then do I need to switch? And then as far as taking your course, oh man, I felt 10 times more prepared. I felt so much more confident going into this labor and delivery. And as far as navigating my pregnancy, something that I didn't do with Barrett was I really, that third trimester, I really didn't focus on pelvic floor relaxation. Yeah, I, I did not do that. And the first pregnancy and the second pregnancy, third trimester, I really focused on the exercises that you had given us, um, the breathing techniques, you know, perineal massage and things like that to really relax the pelvic floor. I knew that I needed my pelvic floor to be as relaxed um, and as mobile as possible for this, this birth. And so that's something that really helped me significantly. I loved how you gave so many options to based on evidence and that it wasn't just like, like I had said in my first pregnancy, well, I was told and heard, don't, you know, deliver on your back. That's bad. And like, okay, well in your course, it's not bad, but there's some things that we can do um, that if you want to do that, that, um, you know, could put, give your sacrum um, and your tailbone a little bit more flexibility. So there's more space for baby to come out. In talking with Dr. Bell about all these things too, like, hey, if we have to do this, let's, can we try this, this, and this? Um, you know, like I said, if I, I feel like I need to be flipped to my back, if you feel like that's important, can we, you know, put the, the towels 
up underneath and, you know, on either side of my sacrum and stuff. And then I think it was really important to just have all these options because birth is so incredibly unpredictable that you can't go in and say, I want this, 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 and this, and this is how it's going to go. Because there's so many things that are going on. And sometimes there's things that happen that are completely out of your control. So you just kind of got to go with the flow and have your options, you know, and, and be flexible. And so then I did not do a birth prep class with Adam. And so I did that section, the partner workshop um, with him. So we sat down and did that together. And he was able to use some of the the counter pressure techniques and just various different things, even asking me, you know, this time, Hey, you need to go use the restroom, get up and go, you know, type of thing and empty your bladder and just things I didn't know before. And so he, I think he felt more confident too. Um, because the first time he didn't, he knew that I had some preferences, but I didn't verbalize to him. Like, these are really like, I need you to be an advocate for me. And not that he needed to be an advocate for me this time because my providers were great. But if I was put in that situation again, where I wasn't being respected, I know that he would have felt more confident and saying no. And he would have actually understood, especially from learning from your course, you, you teach husbands, you don't just tell them like, Hey, this is what, you know, you give the why. So he understood the reasoning behind some of my preferences. And so I know he would have felt more confident being able to be my voice if I could not felt like I could not have been. So yeah, I felt like that your course really prepped me during, during pregnancy to, to help me um, prepare my pelvic floor for birth, but then also mentally, like I said, giving me options for preferences of how you know, kind of a plan of attack to go through labor and delivery, even coming out and recovering postpartum too. It's great to hear kind of how you took it and great to hear that you, you found the options helpful. Cause that's what I found too. Like even when, as a physio, when I was learning things, even before my first pregnancy, and it was very much like, don't give birth on your back. And that's yes. kind of how we used to teach people. But then I would have clients come back and like, they didn't have other option they didn't know right. all other options or they weren't weren't encouraged to practice so that's what and I'm like when you dig into the evidence like it's really about being the position you want to be in and push how you want to yep. push and I always talk about like it's it's a conversation with your care provider because medically that also takes in a toll right like if Brooklyn's vitals were not great in a certain position right you knew that okay I need to try another position so that she's happier or if your vitals yes. aren't great so it's really about options. So then you could feel empowered and being like what felt the best. Um, Cause I feel like if you don't know your options, you don't really have any. It's great to hear just the, even the difference of how like the don't push on your back going into Barrett's birth versus yes. this time knowing options and why and how in that dialogue and your care provider sounds fantastic. Being very open to all of that. Like, did you end up writing down your birth preferences then and I like did. doing them over with your husband and then also with yes. your OB. yeah yep yep I had it written out printed out and I had already even a couple times we actually went over and said went over those preferences again and I would I came at it more of like a, are you okay with this like this is something that I've I've been taking this course public you know it's public for PT and are you okay with me doing this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, it, they never said no to any of the things that I had asked, but I had actually gone over it several times throughout pregnancy so that I just made sure that we were still on the same page. Nothing had changed in that time. 
Um, and I took it with me. I let the nurses know. And I, I had just kind of talked about it. And I, yeah, I just felt like more, like I was able to have a better, more open dialogue and just like talking through these things and like, can we do this? You know, I had asked the nurse, can you bring my knee and my, my ankle out while I'm on my sideline? And they positioned me in a way that they could do that and use the peanut ball and all sorts of different things. And, and, and the thing that strikes me is when we're talking about options is I see the parallel to public organ prolapse. The same thing is if you don't have the education and you don't have a really good provider who has, uh, or pelvic floor PT who gives you options, then you feel very stuck with pelvic organ prolapse and very fearful and very anxious and very like, well, what, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid to do anything and everything. And so I find that parallel as like with pelvic organ prolapse, knowing that you have tons and tons of options. I call it your strategy toolbox you know, building up that toolbox so that you can navigate movement and symptoms well, so that it's not a, if I'm getting symptoms or whatever, I can't do this, or I don't know what to do that you have all these options. Um, and so I, that was just interesting. It came to my mind when you were talking about that. And I was like, that is very similar to pelvic organ prolapse and how people navigate it is, um, people who have more options and have a very large toolbox of strategies feel very empowered in their journey uh, of recovering with pelvic organ prolapse and pursuing the things that they want to pursue and do versus the people who uh, don't have good supportive or, or uh, providers or pelvic floor PTs who are up to date and current research are not giving them options and are kind of like keeping them from doing what they want to do, that they feel stuck and um, very anxious and afraid. And so I think both of those go hand in hand. You're having preferences for birth and then also having strategies for, for pelvic organ prolapse or any other core and pelvic floor consideration. Yeah, I think that's a great parallel to draw from that. It's so true. Because I love that you mentioned about options, uh, preparing for Brooklyn's birth. And so one of the most common questions I get asked is like, I'm, I have a lot of fears around birth, a lot of concerns around birth. And oftentimes my answer is preparation because preparation gives you options. And I find options reduces fear. So I'm curious if that's what you found going into Brooklyn's birth, especially with, um, having gone through Barrett's birth. And so you had different fears and concerns going into to that birth with Brooklyn. Yeah. So like I said, with Barrett, I really didn't have, I mean, I didn't know it nearly as much as I did after taking your course. And so I felt like I just had these couple like, okay, I know I don't want to deliver on my back and I know I don't want to purple push. And that was about it. And so then if it came, you know, came time to those things and I had like Googled in like, breathing there was like a j breathing technique i remember remember looking up on youtube for hypnobirthing the first time around but i really didn't get it i didn't understand it and i was kind of like i think this is how you do it and so i just it was not i didn't have options and so again you can't go back and look on your that experience and be like oh if i would have done this and whatever but i if if i did you know had more options i think i would have been able to be a better advocate for myself and say okay well if you are recommending this can i try this first because i didn't have anything to come back with her and say well before i try what you want me to do can i do this um and so this second time around i knew that if 
if um, I wasn't able, if I was going to have to push a little, you know, if I was going to have to, if he was going to ask me, Hey, I need you to do some active pushing. You know, I had options of how I wanted to do that. Um, you know, I just felt like I, for a majority of the scenarios that I could think of that would have been thrown at me, I had at least something in terms of a preference of how I could navigate that. Um, and so that also helped me to go in a lot more confident with like, um, you know, I, I can do this if this happens. If I have to, if I, if my initial preference doesn't work, I have another one that I know will work well, just as well. Um, and so, yeah, that was huge for me. Mm-hmm. No, that's super helpful. I think it's helpful for people to hear about, yeah, that feeling prepared helped you navigate those fears going into into that birth. So in terms of how was then your recovery or so far your recovery with uh, after baby Brooklyn? Oh, night and day difference. Um, and I contributed this to a couple of different things. Again, like I just see like all these things that have fallen into place. So Brooklyn was born at six pounds, one ounce. So just a little peanut. And I think again, I mean, I don't know, uh, maybe that was a God thing too, of not having a big baby. I, I mean, I just prayed extensively about this pregnancy, labor and delivery. And I just see so many different things that fell into place that I'm like, thank you so much. I mean, immediately postpartum, I, everything just felt so different. It, I felt really just to- mentally and physically just so different physically feeling really well. Like I'm, I'm been feeling really great. I literally, I have not had any pelvic floor symptoms, which once I hit my one year postpartum with Barrett, I really didn't have symptoms anymore. Um, anyways, but it's kind of weird, like going through postpartum and not having symptoms. Cause like I said, at two weeks postpartum, I knew last with Barrett, I knew I had prolapse. Like I had your typical heaviness, um, you know, bulgy feeling, whatever. And now I just feel like, like I have a normal vagina, (laughs) which is really a a weird feeling, a great feeling. Um, and, and even though I feel good, I've still stuck to basic strength and conditioning principles of returning to my fitness postpartum and every week, just kind of, um, you know, adding a little bit more, um, challenge, um, still understanding that I'm in a very critical healing phase, you know, so I'm not lifting any weights or anything like that, but I'm doing some body weight type stuff and core, uh, you know, type connective, uh, connection rehab exercises. And, um, I feel like that's been going really well. Here's another thing that's, I, I noticed is completely different that from my first pregnancy after when I like knew I had pelvic organ prolapse, you cannot just, even if you know everything, you just can't help but go there, but be like, I don't want this to get worse. And then you just tense and clench and you're constantly thinking about your pelvic floor all the time with everything. I was like super afraid to like hold my breath and like, oh, I need to log roll out of bed. And, you know, my positioning is my butt tucked under just all these things, posture, alignment, breathing, everything, just constantly thinking about it and my pelvic floor. And this time around, I'm like, I mean, I have a toddler and a newborn, and so I don't really have a lot of time to think about those things, but also knowing that I know from my experience, being hyper aware and hyper in tune to all those things was actually working against me. 
I had thought I had a UTI and I didn't, but it was because of hypertonic pelvic floor. Um, I was tensing and clenching so much out of fear and anxiety that I, it produced UTI like symptoms without a UTI. Um, I just, it was, it was a mess. My digestive system, Susan Clinton does a GI dysfunction course. That's actually the one that I took and how that correlates to eating. A lot of women have GI dysfunction postpartum, you know, with having some kind of trauma or whatever mental or physical trauma. And that was very much true. I had so much GI issues and, um, just, it was rough. And this time I'm just like, you know, if I slouch, I slouch. If I accidentally hold my breath when I pick up my now eight pound baby, then whatever, you know? And so I'm just much more relaxed. And I think that has made a huge, huge difference that I'm just not so into my pelvic floor and my prolapse. Um, so yeah. yeah, so, so far things are going really well. That's that's so good. I'm so glad to hear. And I was curious how, um, cause you have the additional education from all the courses and being, um, like in the line of work you do, do you feel then the prep you did in pregnancy helped postpartum? Cause also yes. help you almost relax a bit knowing about things, but then also you did a lot of work during pregnancy to prepare your body, your pelvic floor to the best that you could. So yep. then postpartum, it kind of allowed you to let go a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it's so three, almost three years ago, like you and I had kind of talked about the, what we had known then has changed, you know, to what we know now it, it was, you know, don't hold your breath. Posture and alignment are huge. Don't tuck your butt or, you know, like tuck your, your butt under, you know, uh, like you need to have, it was almost kind of like these rigid, like rules of like, don't do this. These are, this is bad. This is bad. And, or, you know, this is good. And this is what optimal is. And what we know now is our bodies are a lot more resilient, adaptable, and capable. And I liked in your course, how it wasn't like in postpartum, make sure you're never slouching and never hold your breath and all this stuff. It was it. So that was great. I think, especially for somebody who is a first time mom who is going into their first pregnancy and first postpartum experience, not being fed that, um, messaging that just innately, uh, instills fear in you, you know, it's, I know the, it wasn't intended to be that way, but that's what it did for me. I was extremely fearful of like, oh my gosh, I held my breath or I cannot, you know, my, my, my posture, I need to be neutral alignment, you know? And, uh, that's just not how our bodies like work. And the more research that we're, we're, um, we're seeing, especially like through the pop-up pro course and, and through your courses, it's like, you know, these are tools and strategies that we can use to help mitigate, um, or navigate symptoms. Um, if you're having symptoms, um, but they're not absolutes, they're not rules. They're there. There's no restrictions, you know, there's no like good and bad. It's, Hey, these are some options again, like we kind of talked about. Um, and so I really like that in your course and, and that gives you more peace of mind because especially as a first time mom or even a mom who's had multiple babies, you don't want, you have, there's so much that has rocked your world and changed your world. You cannot just be spending your time thinking about all these other things, you know, and trying to be perfect. It's just, it is just not realistic and it's not helpful. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I felt like that was great in your course that it, it wasn't just like the, this rules and restrictions. It was like, Hey, here's some options, tools, and strategies. Um, here's how to kind of navigate postpartum. These are the basic strength and condi- or, uh, uh, you know, principles of anatomy of what's happening in terms of phases of healing. Um, and, and I thought that was wonderful. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so interesting, right? When you, as a professional having that education and then you go through birth and postpartum yourself. Cause I found that too, as physios, we were taught like lift with neutral spine and yes. hips, you know, feet hip width apart for squats and all this stuff. And then I'm like, and then you go and have kids and you kind of throw it out the window. And what I've, what I've found really exciting working with clients is like, I tell them, I'm like, so to pick your baby out of your crib, out of the crib, that's impossible to do with quote unquote neutral, perfect posture. Oh, absolutely. So let's test out some other options and then we can get them to do it without symptoms. And they're like, how is this possible? And no one talks about it. And I yes. think that's where it comes in is like learning the research. Um, but then also, you know, going through it yourself, realizing there aren't really black and white ways of doing these things. It's a right. lot of gray. And there's so many strategies to help postpartum pregnancy, or if you're having symptoms that don't involve this like perfect posture alignment that you talked about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's very freeing for moms too, is to have options rather than rules and restrictions and just like building up, like I said, building up their toolbox of strategies. It's so different. My, my pregnancy and postpartum fitness classes that I teach now are so incredibly different compared to what I did three years, two and a half, three years ago, um, you know, and, and more of just like, here, here's all the options. So then you can decide for yourself, well, this didn't work. So let me try this. This didn't work. So let me try this. And oh yeah, that worked this time. Um, and I feel like that makes, makes your postpartum experience, even if you are experiencing symptoms a lot better, like I said, in terms of feeling more freeing so that you're not just stuck to these very rigid rules and restrictions and that you can just really just move in different ways um, and and navigate those things um, well with options. Totally. And so what would you say in terms of what would be some advice that you would give to anyone listening who's expecting, whether it's for their first time, and then what would you give for people giving birth a subsequent time? So, and I have several clients and friends who have gotten pregnant and I tell them, take Anita's course. (laughs) Like I'm always sending your link to your, take her course, take her course. Um, And I'm pushing that because I, I actually had bought another person's course also, and I'm not going to say who it was, but I was not very impressed. And so I actually didn't even finish that one because I was like, nah, I'm not digging it. And I just, you know, and so I I, lo- I actually went through yours twice <laughs> because I did it a little earlier in pregnancy. And then I wanted to be fresh, um, you know, for closer towards labor and delivery. And, um, so yeah, so I highly recommend your course. Um, the other thing too, is I would tell, um, people that if you are experiencing any kind of pain, any pelvic floor symptoms, core symptoms, uh, you know, pelvic pain, constipation issues, whatever, go see a pelvic floor PT during pregnancy. Pelvic floor PTs are not just for postpartum. Um, you can go during pregnancy. Also a good pelvic floor PT, well, like yourself, um, can help you, you know, maybe you say, Hey, I'm taking any discourse, this flower, uh, bloom breath. I'm having a really hard time connecting with my pelvic floor on this, that pelvic floor PT can 
you know, help you figure that out and give you some other options or strategies, um, you know, along with what you're learning to help you prep for labor and delivery. So you have that. So you have a good course to take an online course and Anita's phenomenal by, uh, you know, you have, you check in on your people. You're not just like here, here's my course. And then you go on your own. Like you're very personable about checking in on everybody make sure we're all doing okay. You get added to a Facebook group, which is awesome. Um, and then, like I said, you have that public floor PT option. Um, another thing would be if you're really struggling with how do I navigate fitness during pregnancy, um, look for a pregnancy postpartum athleticism coach. I'm one myself. Um, but also, you know, we have, there's a, if you go to, um, the pregnancy postpartum athleticism coach website, there's a map with all of the PPA coaches and you can find one in your area or connect with somebody online. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm one myself. Um, cause sometimes that's, that's hard of like navigating that in between of, well, I don't want to do all the things and try to prove something to other people and, you know, myself, but then I also don't want to be fearful of exercise and, and what can I do, um, you know, to kind of set myself up best for, uh, my postpartum recovery. So that's what I would say is you got, there's three different resources, um, right there to help prep. Um, and then two, for somebody who's, I'm going to go specific into pelvic organ prolapse for with a second birth. Um, if you are fearful about a second pregnancy or a third pregnancy or whatever, you know, pregnancy after pop, I would really encourage you to connect with a pop-up pro, um, you know, Haley Shevner herself, uh, buy the pop-up lifting guide. It's very, very educational touches on, um, you know, pregnancy after pop, um, just to, again, when you have more education, you feel more prepared, you have more options. Um, and that's what the uplifting guide does, or a pop-up pro will help you with, um, talk to your OB about it. You know, what is their, uh, experience with, um, you know, have they delivered, uh, other had other moms who have, you know, delivered after pop and, and what is their experience like, um, go see a counselor about it. The some working through that mentally and emotionally, it's huge. It's a huge, huge decision. Um, and you may decide that it's not right for you to have more babies and that's perfectly fine. And that's, that's the right choice for you. Um, but if you're, if you're really like, you know, kind of sitting where I was of like, I really do want another baby, but I'm just so afraid, educate yourself, talk to a counselor. Um, another thing to the pop-up, uh, if you buy the pop-up lifting guide, um, you get added to a Facebook group with hundreds of women who have had or had public organ prolapse. And that's a super supportive group where you can ask any questions. Um, Haley Shevener and Anne-Marie Everett, they're on there. Um, and uh, Anne-Marie is a public floor PT who specializes in, in prolapse. And she's very good about answering any questions. Um, and you'll hear stories just like mine from other moms that went on to have, uh, you know, secondary or, you know, more births after prolapse with great stories, great recoveries. Um, and just, uh, oh, also too, really quick, uh, pop the, so Haley and Anne-Marie are actually coming up with a pop, um, pregnancy course. So they're creating a course for women who are going to be pregnant or want to be pregnant, um, 
after prolapse and how to navigate fitness uh, during that time and then prepping for labor and delivery and all that stuff. So that is to come. Um, so yeah, you have options um, as far as resources. Education is huge and just connecting with, with the right people. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know our listeners will really appreciate just hearing Again, options in terms options. of different ways, <laughs> that, <laughs> different ways to prepare and, and navigate. Um, and I know many of them will also want to kind of connect with you online. So where can people connect with you and also um, work with you? Sure. So um, I do a lot more. I'm a lot more active on my Instagram than I am my Facebook page. Um, and that's where I find most people are like, reach out to me through. And my, so my Instagram is at NC Goss, G O S S O eight. Um, and yeah, just send me a message. Um, I do online training, um, as well as if you're in Alaska and you can get on base, I do, um, in session or in-person sessions. And I'm actually starting back, uh, in July, I'll be going back to work in July, uh, just a couple of days a week. So, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. And I do, like I said, I do have a Facebook, but I'm not super active on it. It's just Nicole Goss, a dash certified personal trainer. Um, but yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll make sure to put those links in the show notes and thank you again, Nicole, for being on just sharing your experiences and your knowledge, um, with our podcast listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Anita. I appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 